Kidney Falcha. Welcome to On Crown Behaz, short stories and poetry for August 18th, 2023. Hello, my name's Terrence O'Donnell. I'm here with some more good stories and poetry for everyone this week. This once a week podcast is being hosted on RSS.com. It's also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. A little about me. I'm a senior citizen of Irish descent and a self-professed Shanghai, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting together under the village oak tree on Krambiha, which translates to the tree of life. While here together, I will read to you fictional stories and poetry from writers I have found on Medium.com, including some of my own stories on occasion. Some are scary, some are very thoughtful, and some are very soul-searching. Others are just plain fun. This podcast is free to subscribe for all who care to listen. I do offer the option of donations on the RSS.com webpage where this show is hosted to support my work. Much like passing the hat at the end of my visit to your digital village. I bring you this podcast for the purpose of showcasing writers from around the world who are usually not on somebody's bestseller list but like to be. My goal is to entertain you with good stories and poetry that will spark your imagination and hopefully stay with you for a wee bit after we parted for the day. So now I bring you stories. This week I have a couple of stories for you. First, another poem by Susie Jacobson Cherry. I know I gave you one last week, but she's so good, I couldn't help but bring another one. So this one combines Druidism and Wicca with a journey to the ancestors, much after my own heart. Then I have a satirical story about Christianity. And then I have a fictional story for you about a possible future, much like my new book, Fugitives in the New United States, available on Amazon Kindle in all forms, with the ebook version going out to retailers around the world. You'll have to excuse the plug, but I would like to sell a few books. Lastly, I have a sort of poem, more of a free verse rant I wrote a few years ago about disabled veterans. So let's get to it. I'll read the poem to you. It's called Poem, colon, Drew Wikane by Susie Jacobson Cherry. Now she published this, published this back in September of 2022. On Thursday, I sat beneath an oak tree and remember my fathers, greatly revered, they found pathways to wisdom now lost to antiquity. If I sing to them their own song, will they teach me to speak in their tongues, or lay me on slabs in stone circles and grant me new life? I am but a sprout on this ancient tree. There is mistletoe on my hair and rune words burning bright before my eyes. On Monday, I walked along the shore and recalled my mother's, Greatly loved, they lit fires to heathing places now, buried deep within time's wayward sands. If I say to them, teach me, will they hold me in their martyred arms and sing lullabies of secrets locked in catacombs of fear and inquisition? Or brush the wisps of hair from my eyes and say, stand, come walk upon the water, for are you free? I pass through doors like mirrors cracked, and there is soil upon my hands and blood upon my thighs. I seek the ways of those who know. Their paths are covered in brambles, and shards of glass and hot embers leave my feet ravaged along the way. The pain of my learning will leave me strong, and my blood shall lead the way for those who wish to know where I have gone. And that's it for the poem. I hope you really liked it, because it's very meaningful. And then my next possible one, as I said, is from my friend Bruce Coulter. It's entitled, A Popular Bible Guy Came for Dinner Offering Hope. 
It's not the first time Jesus showed up to break bread with me. Editors note, it's been some time since I conjured up a dinner story. It combines humor, satire, and wishful thinking. My daughter went to a concert with her sister, so I was planning dinner for one. Nothing extravagant but manageable, fish and chips. I dredged two pieces of cod and beer batter when the buzzer went off. Now who the F, before the F bomb dropped, I knew who it was. Who else would stop by on a Friday night during Lent when I'm frying fish? I pressed the buzzer in the intercom. Come on up, JC, the door's open. I hadn't time to take my finger off the buzzer when I turned to find Jesus standing behind me in the kitchen. JC, why are you buzzing me when you just pop in like that? I was trying to give you fair warning, he said with a grin. Fair warning would be thunder and lightning, or at least an email to let me know you're coming by. Fair enough, he said, when the rain, thunder, and lightning began. He didn't tell me he was coming. Pfft, I didn't tell you I was coming. Hello, Bruce, boomed a voice behind me. Jesus, are you trying to give me a heart attack? Don't take my name in vain, Bruce. Oh, please, I spelled that G-E-E-Z-U-S. I quickly heard bullshit and Dolby surround sound. Well, I tried, I said sheepishly. You're going to look like a sheep if you keep this up. Hey, easy, G-Man. You gave me the sense of humor. God shrugged and chuckled. That's true. I walked to the fire and saw six pieces of cod turning golden brown instead of the two I put in. I looked at JC. He laughed. What did you expect? I have a gold coin in my bedroom. Care to multiply that too? You know I don't work that way. Greed is a sin. Then why did you give us politicians? I fired back. Both of them smiled. That's why we're here. Oh gee, never mind. That's better, my dinner guest said, smiling. I plated up the fried cod, fries, and coleslaw. That smells so good. Mary could have taken lessons from you, said J.C. I'm sorry, what? Never mind, J.C. said, digging into his food. So what's the problem? You created the universe, I said, pointing at God, and you made disabled people walk and blind people see, nodding at J.C. But we've never dealt with people like Trump and the MAGA crowd, said God. And Satan won't take him. He's afraid all Trump's alkalites will follow him. Won't they? Of course. But Satan's concerned that Trump will call hell fake and try to take over. And when Lake, Lindell, Giuliani, and the rest of them follow, God said, his voice trailing off, maybe Lindell will bring pillows and make people comfy. Those pillows suck, said J.C. And you're surprised by this? Tell Lucifer to suck it up and deal with it when they arrive. He can make Lake the permanent weather desk anchor and Giuliani the court jester. Make them both wear Arctic clothing. Warming up to the task, I continued, and if you want to make Trump easier to deal with, cut off his cash supply. Make the MAGA moron stop sending him money. As soon as the grifting ends, Trump will pack up and leave. You know that. Before I forget, can you deal with DeSantis? DeSantis is on our radar, said God. He's not going anywhere. Besides, some people call him DeSatan. Satan doesn't like wannabes. Well, he's from Florida and says climate change isn't real. He should be used to warm temperatures, I said. Changing the subject, J.C. and the G-Man wondered if there was more fish. Of course, let me batter some up. I got this, said J.C., as a fresh serving of fried fish appeared on our plates. I have a thing for fish, you might remember, he said, smiling. Are you guys going to pray, I asked. To who, they said, smile. Guys, nobody likes a smart... Uh-uh, said God as a few raindrops splattered on me. Sorry, fellas. And that's the end of his story. I think it's kind of funny, to be honest with you. You know, I've never, you know, I'm always saying this, 
because I'm not afraid to. I'm not a Christian. But I do like funny stories. I don't care what they're about. So I hope you liked it. I thought it was pretty amusing. So then my next one is also a bit satirical. It's called Underground by another writer called Michael Campy. Now, I've given, I've given a couple of things to you from him in the past, one form or another. So, again, Underground, Fiction for Now series, in parentheses, may not be fiction for long. In the 30 years prior to and through the end of the American Civil War, there was an escape path for enslaved people called the Underground Railroad. For the longest time, no one thought anything like that would ever have to exist again. Now it's back. Even as recently as 2022, people had no idea how bad things might get. The Supreme Court had shifted predominantly to the right during Donald Trump's presidency, but took an extreme term shortly after the election of Ron DeSantis, the former governor of Florida. He immediately began to put even more draconian laws in effect that placed restrictions on groups that he had begun to persecute in his home state during his governorship. Laws that instituted a federal ban on abortion and anyone who would perform an abortion and there were no loopholes. Any abortion for any reason was arrested and punished by imprisonment. The LGBTQ plus population was driven into hiding by laws that not only made their lives illegal, but in some cases punishable by death. Laws that vastly expanded the list of banned books on a federal level. These books were removed from libraries, schools, and bookstores and burned in public across the country. If you were caught in possession of one of these books, either for your own use or for distribution, you were arrested in jail for a minimum of two years. Finally, after years of progressively worse oppression, Americans, traditionally meek and accepting, began to band together to oppose these new restrictions. The op opposition started small by finding hiding places and people who would take in the criminals and keep them safe until they could be transported to Canada in the north or Mexico in the south. They recruited sympathetic doctors who were brave enough to perform needed operations. They abandoned easily surveilled forms of communication like email, phone calls, and reverted to passing notes, dead drops, and establishing word-of-mouth networks to avoid detection. They developed layers to prevent any one group from having too much information in the event that they were discovered. The movement expanded across the country within a year, and inevitably the government got wind of it and began a concentrated effort to end this new underground railroad. Spies were recruited to infiltrate the group. People who had their families and their lives threatened if they refused to comply. SWAT teams staged midnight raids on safe houses, dragging pregnant women, doctors, and LGBTQ people out of bed, throwing them in the back of transport vehicles, driving them to fenced enclosures, similar to the detention centers at the U.S.-Mexico border that had begun to spring up all over the country. The government's reprisal was swift, unrelenting, and violent. But for the first time in a long time, Americans just didn't just roll over. They had finally had enough. But just having had enough wasn't going to stop the repression. The war against compassionate action was going to get worse, and it was going to get bloody. It wasn't just the government the underground was fighting. It was fighting other Americans who fully backed the new laws and felt it was their patriotic duty to assist their new leader in destroying those who would speak out for human rights. The group was assaulted on nearly every front, fearing the police, the government, and most horribly, their next-door neighbors got more dangerous by the day as more and more safe houses were raided. The obstacles to smuggling people out of the country became harder to overcome. The futility of trying to resist a force as powerful and as unrelenting as the force that was allied against them became almost overwhelming. They realized that all this mayhem, all this violence, wasn't an underground movement so much as an extinction burst. 
The world that they had known was irrevocably changed. There was no going back, but it finally clicked. It was fucked up beyond repair. After all the years of pointless protesting, all the years of embracing nonviolence, all the years of dutiful participating in a broken system, all the years of believing the curtain of blind faith was lifted and they could see. Their war was over even before it started. There had never been even a slim chance of success. Almost as one, they lifted their eyes. A new light dispelled the darkness. It was always about the fight. And that's his article. And as I mentioned earlier, it's it's a very, very short parallel to my book, um, which, you know, I won't plug it anymore for you. Um, simply because enough's enough. I mean, I, you know, I try not to advertise too much. So now I'm going to give you my story. It's entitled America's Wounded Warriors. I wrote this about, I want to say five or six years ago. I re-edited it, rewritten it a couple of different times. So here's the latest revision. Um, and again, America's Wounded Warriors. What is it about wounded warriors that makes people see us different? Is it our physical wounds, like the missing limbs and scars? Is it a primal fear of us now that we've returned home as trade killers? There are those who can't seem to do enough for us since 9-11, as if to make up for the way a lot of us were treated so badly after Vietnam and forgotten about after Desert Storm. Then there are those who just shy away from us because we're different now from the kids who left the family farms and neighborhoods of our childhoods. Those of us with the unseen wounds have indelible scars on our personalities forever. We have to deal with the same stigma of being wounded warriors as if we had a visible wound for all to see. None of us who volunteered to go to war ever came back the same as we left. Those of us who made a career out of war and are preparing for war between wars have sacrificed the most. We sacrificed our lives for our country and your way of life. We sacrificed our families when our country called us to war over and over again. Our divorce rate is among the highest of all because we chose to serve our country first and put our families second. Some of us who have had to live apart from society as we have trouble being accepted for what we have become. As then, as always, we the wounded warriors with seen and unseen wounds who have come home after years of blood, sweat, and tears endure the sympathetic comments and the pitying, fearful looks from the same folks that praise us for volunteering in her stead. The country rolled out the red carpet for us, all of us veterans, after 9-11. But where were you when we came home from Vietnam? Where were you when we came home from Desert Storm? Where were you when we came from all the other little conflicts until we went to Afghanistan? Why did you forget about us after the first couple of years in Iraq when we were defending American interests? Yet despite a few accolades here and there, we see the fearful looks, hear the pitying comments and hush whispers when you think we aren't paying attention. We shrug it off as we try to fit back in after we change so much. No warrior is ever the same after what some of us have seen and had to do so you can feel safe from foreign enemies. You sent us off to war to ensure that the American life would endure. Yet though we sacrificed so much for you who never served, we will never be the same young, bright-eyed, excited boys and girls who left home to serve our country. Until the nightmare stops, the haunted looks in our eyes when we remember the bad things are gone. The survival reflexes we learn to keep us alive in the worst of times are no longer visible when you see us on a street. Some of us have to shy away from you. The looks we see at times seem to be a sense of guilt for how broken we are after returning home from your wars. Is this why we are treated as heroes now? With thank you for your service 
and other platitudes. When we are told to keep off the grass, refuse service in stores, spit on as baby killers after Vietnam, forgotten after so many conflicts in foreign lands. Is it because America feels guilty about sending us to do the dirty work so everyone can live their lives without worry? As if there were no other countries in the world who would do you harm. Or is it more of an attitude of out of sight, out of mind, until we return as damaged goods? We can't be taken back to the store and return like G.I. Joe toys. You're stuck with us, whether you like it or not. Be kind and treat us like the handicapped people we are, not someone to be pitied. Don't thank me for my service. Thank me for stepping up to defend you when you wouldn't or couldn't do it for yourself. I hope you'll return again next week for more. I try to offer everyone a variety of different fictional stories and poetry, and maybe something that touches the heart a little at times. If I find anything that looks interesting, even love stories, I'll bring them to you here. Don't forget to read the newsletter for this show, available in Medium, Substack, and the blog section of my website on Crombieha. Starting this week, I'm going to be leaving everybody with a bit of Irish music from my collection, which is substantial. I picked out a song this week that goes along with my last story, it's called Johnny I Hardly Knew Ya by the Clancy Brothers. Until next time, slancha. When on the road to sweet I When on the road to sweet I When on the road to sweet a stick in my hand and a drop in me eye. Don't let the light Johnny Harley knew we are guns and drums and drums and guns are We are guns and drums and drums and guns are We are guns and drums and drums and guns. The enemy nearly slew you. And a dull and dear, you look so queer. Johnny Harley knew ya. Where are the eyes that look so mild? Where are the eyes that look so mild? Where are the eyes that look so mild when my poor heart you first beguiled? Why did you skedaddle from me and the child? Johnny, I hardly knew. Yeah, we are guns and drums and drums and guns are oh. We are guns and drums and drums and guns are oh. We are guns and drums and drums and guns. The enemy nearly slew you. Had a darling dear, you look so queer. Johnny, I hardly knew ya. With which you run her Where are the legs with which you run her Where are the legs with which you run when first you went to carry a gun? And even your dancing never done. Johnny, I hardly knew yeah, We are guns and drums and drums and guns are We are guns and drums and drums and guns We are guns and drums and drums and guns. The enemy nearly slew Johnny, I hardly knew.
and see your home. I'm happy to come to see your home. I'm happy for to see your home. for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of On Crombie Off. Feel free to share this with your friends or relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crombie Ha or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-I-I-L-L in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the tree of life together during our time. As a Shanghai, I want to continue to delight you with a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think a little after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your blessings outnumber the shamrocks that grow, and may trouble avoid you wherever you go. Schlange which means goodbye for now in Irish. <laughs>